1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. That guy right there is Ryan Roberts. We're teaming up for the 1 o'clock show, and I haven't been on a 1 o'clock show in God knows how long. So I'm usually handing out suspensions like candy right about now, So or I'm on lunchroom duty doing things, you know, whatever. But I'm excited. I get to be on the 1 o'clock show again on a Tuesday in December. So it is officially game week. Ryan, we get to, I know you guys had a show yesterday, but this is my first go at it. Uh, I've got the show right now, and then I'll be back with Sean Styers for Ivy Nation Sports Talk at 6, so I'm pulling double duty today, but I'm fired up because we actually get to talk about a game, uh, Mm -hmm. which I'm I'm fired up about, man, and I've been kind of diving into South Carolina all morning, watching film, trying to figure out who's going to play, who's not going to play, you know, all of these different things, and you know, at the end of the day, I think this is a great matchup for Notre Dame. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. We get to watch Notre Dame one more time for this year. I mean, come on. It doesn't get any better than that. We only get – minimum we get is 12 games of Notre Dame a year. We get a 13th game. I'm fired up. What say you about, you know, kind of everything that's going on right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that for both sides of the of this matchup, there's a lot of things riding on this football game, Vince. I mean, if you look at from the South Carolina side – and I know we'll talk about it a little more in depth, but, you know, they are ending the season off on a really strong stretch as far as the regular season game over over the last two games, beating Tennessee the way they yeah. did and then beating Clemson. And if they were able to beat Notre Dame in a bowl game, I mean, if you beat three straight weeks, Tennessee, Clemson, and Notre Dame to end your season, you start looking at Shane Beamer like it has got stuff rolling in the right direction, obviously, right? So yeah, absolutely. I think South Carolina can hopes to continue that momentum into the offseason, season. And for Notre Dame, it's the difference between nine and four and eight and five. We've talked about that obviously over the last few weeks and the implications and kind of just the perception of the difference between the record. And I think for Notre Dame now going into year two under Marcus Freeman with the excitement that you know was around the program before the season, and then you lost a little bit of the luster. But I think kind of getting that momentum back after Notre Dame did play well for the most part down the stretch outside of the USC game, you know, finished eight and two last 10 games, obviously going into the USC game, you felt pretty good about where the program was going. They lose that football game, but I think ending the season off on a high note against a SEC opponent in South Carolina, that is, has all the momentum on their side the last two games of the season, plus the recruiting implications of everything with, you know, we've been very vocal and honest about this and, I think South Carolina would be honest about this too. Like they have a little bit of the NIL implications on their side, right? They do a little bit of the handout things to some recruits, including, you know, some stuff behind the scenes with some Notre Dame recruits in the past, right? So I think that it's an opportunity for Notre Dame to beat a good football team that's yeah. coming off of a couple of very high-quality wins and to beat a team that is utilizing NIL in a completely different capacity on the recruiting side. So I think both teams have a lot riding on this game.
1: I agree with you, and I think that the South Carolina program is on the rise as far, and it's an SEC program. I mean, it checks a lot of boxes for an opponent that you would like to see in the postseason. I mean, obviously, it doesn't check the the playoff box. It doesn't check the New Year's Six box. I get that, but when mm-hmm. you're eight and four, you get what you get. You don't throw a fit, as I like to tell my kids. You know what I mean? It's like you're you you are matched up against a team depending on what. Ranking you're looking at, you know, 19, 20, 20 19, whatever the case may be. I mean, I think this is about the best that Notre Dame could have done considering where they were with an eight and four record. And with the way things went down this year, some of their losses were really bad. Right. Yes. And, you know, you can't sugarcoat that they're eight and four. And so I think a Gator Bowl appearance against a up and coming, You could debate quality football team, but I Mm -hmm. think they are heading in that direction. I do. I actually really like Shane Beamer as a head coach. I think he's young. I think he's enthusiastic. I think, you know, obviously he brings a, a great special teams program to South Carolina. They proved that this year, and we can talk about that as we move forward as well. But there's a lot to like about this South Carolina program, and if Notre Dame is able to come out victorious in this matchup, it checks a lot of boxes as a quality win for Notre Dame moving into the off season. Absolutely. And so this is, I'm actually more excited about this matchup than I would have been if Notre Dame was in the playoff or not in the playoff, excuse me, in a new year six game, because really the only slot for them would have been to face off against Tulane. Right. Is that really a great matchup? Like one that you're excited to see? Yes. It's Notre Dame football. We all get excited to watch them play and all of Mm -hmm. that. Yes. They would have gotten the new year six monkey off their back. Most likely. But at the same sure. time, I like this matchup better than the matchup against the green wave of Tulane. So, you know, am I a glass half full guy right now? Maybe. But <laughs> as far as just the actual football game itself, the the game that is played on the field, I'm happy with this matchup.
2: Yeah, I, I am too, Vince. I think that it's going to be a really interesting one for all the implications I already talked about and some of the players missing from both sides of this matchup as well. And I think there's going to be a lot of, from a Notre Dame and South Carolina perspective, trying to find a little bit of a new identity in 15 bowl practices and trying to really urge towards the 2023 season and finishing off 2022 on the right note and bright note. So I'm excited to talk about this matchup. Yep. I know we have to throw out a reminder and I'll do this for us real quick that <laughs> I know everybody in the chat wants to talk about Sam Hartman and the news that has been kind of dropping over the Twitter verse and everything. I'll say this for the, the, Exact info about the Sam Hartman stuff. Now that he has entered the portal for Wake Forest, you can go to uh, boards at irishbreakdown.com. Only a little bit ago, Brian Driscoll put up a little bit of an Intel piece on Sam Hartman and a potential fit with Notre Dame. If that is the direction that it might be going from both sides. So if you want to go check it out on the message board, we're not going to dive into that conversation today, because this is game week, and we want to finish off the season the right way, obviously, and give this this massive bowl matchup the attention that it deserves. But trust me, when the dust has settled a little bit on the whole conversation, we will dive into the backstory and the implications and the impact that that move right. can potentially have. But go to com for that information.
1: Because, look, Sam Hartman isn't committing anywhere until, at the very least, after Notre Dame's bowl game. And so there's nothing to really talk about yet. And as excited as people may want to be or unexcited as people may want to be, that is a conversation that we will, of course, have probably starting during the post game show, maybe after that uh, on the 31st moving forward. So we will have that conversation, of course. There'll be a nice discussion over there on the board. So head over there if you want to have your Sam Hartman, uh, you know, chat. But he's not making any moves between now and Notre Dame's bowl game. So what are we going to focus on? We are going to focus on the Gator Bowl and South Carolina Gamecocks and everything that goes along with that. And, and this show specifically, Ryan, and we're going to kind of jump into this one and kind of how what we had planned before. You know, all this Sam Hartman news kind of dropped, uh, but we are going to let me pull up the uh, the outline here because you know I don't want to stray because I have a tendency to do so. Um, Same, yeah, I, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Uh, but we are. Going to jump right in. So let's talk about the Gator Bowl specifically from a South Carolina standpoint. We're not really going to be talking yep. Notre Dame. We're going to talk South Carolina. I've been cramming over there all morning for this <laughs> one, watching some some tape and trying to get an idea of who's playing, who's not. But Gator Bowl It's going to be yep. on ESPN. It is going to be at 3.30 Eastern time. It is in Jacksonville, Florida, where the Jacksonville Jaguars play their game. Uh, let's see, 3.30 in the afternoon. Have you seen an up-to-date spread on this game, Ryan? I haven't really looked into that yet. I can pull it up real fast.
2: Yeah, I I, I, I want to say it opens, was it Notre Dame favored by six to open? Is Something that what like it is? That, right? that I, sounds I, about right. I think I that's mean, what it was, almost positive, but I'll check on it too.
1: Okay, so that, that sounds about right. Notre Dame, yeah. I think, and, and as we kind of go along and we talk about who South Carolina is going to have playing in this game who's not going to be playing in this game etc i think that line makes a lot more sense moving forward i think if both teams were full strength i think that number maybe is a little bit smaller but obviously notre dame is dealing with some some opt-outs and frankly south carolina is dealing with about three times as many opt-outs as notre dame is from a from an impact player standpoint because notre dame has some transfers obviously but they're not impact players to this game. Notre Dame has two opt-outs that would have impacted this game, right? I mean, Foskey and Mayer. <clears throat> Other than that – well, Drew Pine, I guess. I'm sorry. So, so three opt-outs that are affecting this game in a very specific way. South Carolina has a lot more than that. So there's going to be a lot of speculation on our part as to what the South Carolina team is going to look like.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's going to be super interesting to see because we've seen – I mean. Vince, it makes it really cloudy when you're talking about the South Carolina team a little bit, right? Because you you have all your talking points and you've seen like the kind of throughout the entirety of the year. And I know, you know, watching the film over the last few days for both of us, you're evaluating a lot of players that just aren't going to be on the field for, another yeah. day, for um, South Carolina, excuse me. So it's it's a murky one because, I mean, we can, we're, we're going to dive in obviously to a lot of the scheme schematic approaches that South Carolina uses a lot of the philosophy stuff which is going to remain the same but I mean the point blank period to it is that they are going to have some players out that is going to structurally change how they do things or how they operate you know it's just it is we'll talk about the two tight ends that are out in this football game right here in a little bit and I mean no I don't think that South Carolina was going to be a team that was going to run so, so much light personnel, compared to maybe some more heavier personnel, but out of necessity, I think they're going to have to utilize less tight ends in this football game. So <laughs> it's going to—we're almost left predicting. Like I feel like we're getting our crystal ball out a little yeah. bit and saying, like, "Hey, man, these guys aren't playing, but they might be." This we'll see, type of thing. But it's—it's it's going to be a fascinating conversation because we're either going to look very smart for predicting some things, or we're just going to be kind of left. Yeah, aimlessly pointing a little bit because there's really no way to purely speculate on these things because so many football players have just opt out for South Carolina that it makes it a little hairy on what exactly you're going to see from the Gamecocks.
1: Well, and Katie Kevers makes a great point. Opt outs are why bowl games are not even fun to watch anymore. Look, you make a really good point, Katie, and I, I can't say that I disagree with you in any way because... I haven't really dove into a bunch of the bowl games this year. Now, granted, the big ones are still yet to come. The the ones that are really a lot of people want to sit back and watch. But if we're talking about this game specifically, as I'm watching, for example, I'm watching the South Carolina Clemson game and I'm watching some of the things that they're doing defensively to Clemson. I'm watching some of the things they're doing offensively to Clemson. They may not do those things because a lot of the guys they were counting on to make those schemes work are not playing in this game. and so. You're, you're almost looking at completely different teams moving forward. Now, Notre Dame losing Mayer and Foskey, that's not going to change their defensive philosophy really at all, I wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. Offensively, obviously, they can't focus on the tight end as much as they did in the past when Michael Mayer was out there catching balls.
2: And it's not going to change the
1: offensive philosophy.
2: And you only have two healthy tight ends for Notre Dame, right? With Cain Bereng transferring and Michael and uh, Kevin Baldwin being injured, and Eli Raritan being out, you have Holden Stace and you have Mitchell Evans. Like those that's, are your tight ends in this football game. So, I mean, unless right. we're counting David Sherwood as a tight end, I consider him more of a fullback, H back type, yeah, right? But. I mean, you really only have two healthy tight ends in this football game if you're Notre Dame. So it's going to change things on both sides of the coin. Uh, Quick update, Vince. I was completely wrong with my spread, so please ignore me. Notre (laughs) Dame is two-and-a-half-point favorites, not six. I don't know where I got that six number, but that's where we are right now. Okay,
1: two-and-a-half points. That is actually very interesting to me because Mm -hmm. I feel – now, from a point-scoring standpoint, if you're in Vegas and you see that Michael Mayer is opting out, you you automatically Mm -hmm. think there's not going to be as many points scored for Notre Dame. So I get that part of it. But there's yeah. a lot of opt-outs on the South Carolina side that I think is really going to affect this game on both sides of the ball. So, uh, and we'll get into that. So let's talk about this South Carolina team, Ryan. We talked about the opt-outs, we can get into specifics a little bit later, but you mentioned yeah. the fact that their last two games have been, I mean, two of the biggest wins <laughs> in recent history for South Carolina. They they snapped a seven-game losing streak to Clemson with the win uh at Clemson, which Also snapped a 40-game home win streak for Clemson, uh, which I thought was very interesting. They hadn't lost there since October of 2016. And then South Carolina comes in and Spencer Rattler and whatever the heck he was doing in the Clemson game got him the victory. So uh, they're riding high right now. And then you add in the big win that they had over Tennessee uh, the second to last game of the season. And this South Carolina team is absolutely dangerous. now. Yep. It changes because of some of the opt-outs, but they still have Spencer Rattler back there. They still got Shane Beamer as head coach. And as I look at this South Carolina team and what they're going to be able to do to Notre Dame specifically, there's two things that scare me. Number one, <laughs> special teams. Yep. Number two, Spencer Rattler. Because I don't know what Spencer Rattler we're going to get, if I'm being <laughs> honest. I mean, you get, it's it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with him as far, like even in the game itself, He just about lost that game for them. And then he also just about won the game for them. So it's like, which Spencer Rattler are you going to get from series to series game to game? I mean, he was a 60% passer going into the, uh, going into the Tennessee game and he threw for 81% and was unbelievable. I think he had like seven incompletions the entire game. And then he goes into the Clemson game and, and, he was average at best. I mean, through two really, really bad interceptions. One was a mm-hmm. pick six. One was in the end zone. So, I mean, those were really, really bad interceptions. Took points off the board, put them over on Clemson's side. But then you also look at their special teams, man. And Holy cow. I've got a special teamer living in my house. And he's watching the game with me. He's like, dude, that punter is automatic. And they haven't missed a field goal in over a year. So, it's I mean, <laughs> they have the number one special teams unit for a reason.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, and those are the things that are going to be a couple really interesting storylines. I mean, backtracking the quarterback for a second, Vince. I mean, yeah. I think that that Tennessee game where they won, what was it, 63-38, something like that, like some crazy number. And that was the Spencer Rattler that a lot of people thought they were going to get before last yeah. season. You know what right. I mean? I mean, those early mock drafts in the preseason are always kind of dumb, to be honest. And a lot of speculation because the media doesn't really have a great sense most of the time as far as what the NFL actually thinks. But Spencer Rattler, I mean, was the number one overall quarterback for a lot of them from the media side going into that year, and then kind of falls flat on his face his last year at Oklahoma, you know, and he struggles. And Caleb Williams takes over, and we, we know the whole story. But throughout the majority of this season, Spencer Rattler hasn't been very good for South Carolina. He really hasn't. But whatever clicked in that Tennessee game for him, that was the best game I've ever seen Spencer play, yes. bar none. I mean, like you said, I mean, the kid had almost as many touchdowns as incompletions that game. He threw six touchdowns and had seven incompletions. It was like 31 out of 38 for over 400 yards. So he was just absolutely fantastic in that football game. And then I agree, the Clemson game, it was a little bit up and down, you know, a couple of bad interceptions, but... Throughout the stretch of the second half, he played his best football, which got them to win, obviously, because they were down against Clemson. So the last two games have been Spencer Rattler's best games for a two-game stretch as a member of South Carolina and one of the best stretches he's had in his college career. I know he had some nice success in his redshirt freshman year, specifically the last six games of that season. But Spencer Rattler is a very volatile player. He's very – you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he is that type of dude. But when he's on – He's one of the most talented quarterbacks in college football. Like, there's no doubt. That kid, ball comes out of his hand different, right? Well, like, he has an NFL arm. The ball comes out with ease, easy velocity. But then there will be games where he just doesn't seem like he understands what's happening in front of him, and he'll just make right. some boneheaded decisions. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that we saw this last bowl game with Notre Dame, right, when they played against Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders is a little bit of the same thing for Oklahoma State last year. Spencer Sanders at times is a really, really good quarterback. And at times he's unplayable almost with the interceptions and the bad decisions he makes. Spencer Rattler is the same type of volatile, but unfortunately for Notre Dame last bowl season, they got the good Spencer Rattler. I mean the good Spencer Sanders in that football game down the stretch when it mattered most. And now you're wondering with the skill position, because that's the one thing that stayed intact for for South Carolina pretty much is that the wide receivers, for the most part, are intact for this football game. We'll talk about the tight ends, obviously, that will not be available in this football game. But Spencer's got some players to work with. He's got sure. some pass game weapons, Antoine Wells, maybe Josh Van, But you just don't know what to expect from him, right? And then the good versus good on special teams is going to be interesting, man. Because I mean, we've, we've applauded Brian Mason the entirety of the year, and his units have been very clean. Outside of the kick return game, They've been consistent pretty much all around from a punting perspective. Kicking perspective oh. has been a little shaky, but pretty decent for the most part. You've blocked a ton of punts, obviously, in, in that regard as well. But then you're faced against Pete Lenbo in, in that units for South Carolina who just doesn't make any mistakes either. So I, I feel like there's going to be a make it or break it play in special teams on one side or the other. You know who's going to make the big mistake Who's going to, you know, muff a punt? Who's going to get a field goal block, a punt block, whatever it is? I think there's going to be a make it or break it conversation for the special teams at some point in this game.
1: Yes, I completely agree with that. <clears throat> this game, I think my, it's going to be one or loss based on the special teams. You've got two top six special teams units, Notre Dame's number six, and South Carolina's number one, and there's a reason. If you watch their special teams, and I realize a lot of people don't get too excited about watching special teams, and I understand that, but, man. Watching what they can do special teams wise. Number one, they just don't make mistakes. And number two, they not only do they not make mistakes, they just make plays. I mean, the return game is impressive. The punt and kicking game is is impressive. The coverage units are extremely impressive. They don't let you get anything in in the return game. And that's called field position. And, and I know that that's boring football stuff to talk about. But field position is really, really important. And we would all be fooling ourselves if we said, you know, we're super confident in what Notre Dame's offense is going to be able to do offensively. We just, you know, they're going to have a a quarterback that we haven't seen since the middle of September coming off of an injury.
2: Mm -hmm. They're not
1: going to have their best offensive player and Michael Mayer. Yep. What's the offense going to look like? Are we confident they're going to be able to take long fields and drawn out drives and all of these different things? If I said yes, I said I was confident in that. That just makes me look like a homer. You know what I mean? So the field position game is going to be incredibly important Mm -hmm. in this game. And I'm telling you, man, this special teams unit for South Carolina is really, really good. Clemson was backed up to their own end zone on numerous occasions. And when I say backed up, the backfield was in the end zone to start drives like Yes. That's really hard to overcome multiple times a game.
2: Yep. Yep. And I mean they consistently do that, man. They consistently do it. Because like you said about the you know, the punting game for them. I mean, they had a they had their kid that was up for the Ray Guy Award, right? As a finalist. I mean, he's a fantastic punter. They haven't yes. missed a field. would you say? They haven't missed a field goal in over a year or over something like a that, right? Year, they haven't <laughs> missed a field wild. goal. Like absolutely wild. And the
1: one they missed was a 58 yarder to like win the game or whatever. Like that was the one that they missed. Before the streak started, so it's like, yes. it, if this is a field goal game, I don't like Notre Dame's chances. Okay, that's like true. they've got to really, as far as like, I'm not. That's not comparing Notre Dame's kicker to their kicker. But what mm. I'm saying is, if if they're at 50 or in, it's almost it's a done deal. Like you don't yep. want them driving at the end of the game, is what I'm saying. So yeah. it's it's going to be. And and look, if we're going to go to the other side of the of the coin. John Sott's a really good punter, too. Yes. You know, he's a really good punter. So we're going to see some really good special teams in this game. And frankly, I'm excited to watch it. But I, I think this game's going to be made, made or, or, or won or lost based on a special team's play here, there, whether it's pinning him deep, whether it's coverage, whether it's whatever, a field goal. Special teams are going to be really, really important in this game.
2: I, I think so. And I think a note that you made, Vince, I know we're not focusing too much on Notre Dame today. This is more of a South Carolina-centric podcast, but with Tyler Buckner now coming back and, you know, getting his first start since September, right? Like you also want to make things kind of easy for this offense because I think that there is going to be a new identity that's going to be kind of forged a little bit, right? Like it's this offense is not going to run through the tight end position as much as it did. It's going to run through right wide receiver centric a little bit more, the run game centric. But the run game's even going to look maybe slightly different from it, just a schematic approach with Tyler Buckner in there comparative to what Drew Pine was. So sure. I think that setting it up in advantageous field position is going to be a big-time opportunity. I think for me, again, it comes back to the mistakes. What the, what special team is going to make a mistake? Because, I, I mean, I, I think that the experience from this season, just kind of evaluating both sides, they don't make a ton of – errors right there's not like they don't get punts blocked they don't get field goals blocked they don't really do things to hurt themselves so I think that's the breaking point for me is what special teams makes the mistake get maybe you know doesn't have good lane integrity as a kick coverage unit and gives up a kickoff return for a decent game to set up field position Mm -hmm. who doesn't have good discipline as far as staying outside and working outside in against the against a punt return for instance like I think that there's going to be a play in this game on special teams, that's really going to be the make it or break it for this game. I really do.
1: If you watch the Clemson South Carolina game, and I I know I hearken back to that's the most recent game that I watched, but they forced, so because of how good South Carolina special teams are, they forced Mm -hmm. Clemson to do some things on special teams that they don't normally do. Like they did that thing on a kick return where they all come into a group and you don't know who has the ball and they all just spread out. Mm -hmm. So they did. So Clemson does that. They fumble the ball and turn it over you know, deep in their own territory. That's mistake number one. They did a quick punt with DJ Uyongalale because they were afraid of, you know, getting a punt blocked or whatever. They end up kicking it into the end zone, touchback. They yeah. kept their defense out on a punt return, not even worried about returning it. They just don't want to be faked out. So, like, they are constantly thinking about what South Carolina was going to do to them in special teams, and then they were even doing some different things to try to combat it, and they're just outside of what they do. And so Mm -hmm. not only does South Carolina do a good job with what they do, but they force you to do things that you're not prepared to do. Now, I don't see that being the case for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's going to do what they do. They're not going to be forced to do anything they don't want to do based on special teams and what South Carolina is going to do. But remember, even in the USC game against Notre Dame, it was a brilliant move by USC to go to the quick punt against Notre Dame because Notre Dame couldn't block that you know and so it again it's going to be interesting to see how the special teams shake out. I know we're we're harping on special teams and nobody cares about special teams I get that but should. It's, it's going they to should. be a, it's going to be a make or break situation in this game <laughs> I'm just saying so well, it,
2: well we had to know that Vince D'Addario is on the show we're going to talk about special teams man it's going to happen right. it's going to happen Absolutely, and you should, man. That's that's the profile, brother. I love it. I hey,
1: love and it. this game's gonna be that two top six special teams. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we, we got to talk about it, and uh, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. But
2: well, uh, well, according to Big Game Boomer on Twitter, um, Brian Mason's <laughs> only the twelfth best special teams coach in America. So you know,
1: I don't. Wow. Know. Yeah. Does he at yeah. least have South Carolina one? Like the South? Carolina? He did. Oh, okay, Pete Limbo is well.
2: number one, as he Woo!
1: should be. But okay. yeah, yeah. Okay.
4: Good lord. <laughs>
2: All right,
1: so let's jump into some more specifics, uh, Ryan. Let's mm-hmm. talk about who is in, who is out for South yeah. Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. Specifically, who's opting out, who's injured. I, I saw because you you had mentioned the Van kid, who's a wide receiver. He's. Yeah. We'll start. We can start with him because sure. he's kind of like the tweener, I guess, because mm-hmm. we don't think he's going to play because of injury. But he is listed on the depth chart, unlike all the other guys that have opted out.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting situation because Josh Van has been kind of beat up all year a little bit. Like he's yeah. kind of missed some time sporadically. He's a good
1: receiver though, man. Like
2: he, yeah, he's a good receiver. Yeah, he's a good say, receiver. I mean, he he had um he had some NFL buzz before the season, but he's been banged up obviously before you know during the season. And you know we we saw a report that Josh Van wasn't going to play, and that he was kind of banged up, still dealing with injuries. But then he was on the depth chart um, that was released by South Carolina. <laughs> so I I, st- I still don't buy it a hundred percent. You know, I mean, there's always deflection and sure. and all that stuff from that you know that mental side of the coaching profession, right? So I, I'm not I, I'm not buying in that Josh Van is playing, but he is a part of the depth chart, so. It's one of those things where you just have to evaluate and see, like, is it a limit to capacity? Is he going to play at all? I, I think that there's just – you know, we're just trying to feel through the kind of that situation. But as of right now, I wouldn't expect him to play, but he's on yeah. the depth chart. So we have to at least account for him right yep. now.
1: And and like I said, he he's a he's a good, not great wide receiver. He made a great play in the Clemson game, but then he got hurt on that play and had to sit mm-hmm. out the rest of the game. So, yep. you know, he's an athletic receiver. He, he's kind of a long – you know, he's got those long attributes. He's, he's fairly fast. He's able to get, you know, behind uh, the Clemson secondary on that play. So, you know, he's a guy that you have to account for. They got him in the, old, uh, the old or category on the depth chart. So, <laughs> you know, again, is it some gamesmanship with South Carolina? Probably. Uh, yep. But he's still on the depth chart, so we got to talk about him. But okay. as far as I will let you, I will kind of pass the baton, kind of go through who's out, and then we can talk about, Who's going to replace and what does that mean for the offense? Then we'll switch over into the defense.
4: Yeah.
2: I mean, so offensively, they, they remain intact with a lot of players, specifically, like I think Antoine Wells is a great player that's going to be playing for them and is, is going to be available for yeah. the football game. But the most notable players that will not be available for South Carolina is one is Marshawn Lloyd, their the running back who was their leading rusher this year, former top recruit who opted out and I believe is in the transfer portal still at this point. So mm-hmm. he is not going to be available in this football game. They're leading rusher. And then their top two tight ends offensively are also opted out of this football game. So they're going to be without Jaheim Bell, who's already made the decision in the transfer portal to go from, go to Florida State. He was actually weird, Vince. I mean, he's a tight ends kind of move, yeah. move piece. But they also throw him at running back. Some they threw him at running back this year at times because they had some injuries at running back, and he's just kind of that type of athlete, right? So right. Janine Bell is at Florida State, and then Austin Stogger, who was the former Oklahoma transfer, is transferring back to Oklahoma. That was weird. Whatever, yeah, it's very strange. So they're gonna be out with they're gonna be without their top two tight ends in this game. They're gonna be out without their top running back and Marshawn Lloyd, and maybe also out with Josh Van, obviously.
1: Well, and what's, what's interesting. So number one, you mentioned Jaheim Bell and I, and as I was doing my research on, on South Carolina, I was like, I, I texted you guys. I was like, are you guys sure he's a tight end? He's got 68 carries. Like how, how does that work? How do you get 68 carries as a tight end? Uh, yeah. But that they, they just kind of use him in a funny way and they've had some issues at running back. And so he's an athlete they put the ball in his hands. He had a rushing touchdown against, uh, against Clemson. So yeah. So that that is a loss when you when you have a kid that can play multiple positions, that's a huge loss uh, yes. for for this Gamecock offense. So, uh, and then at tight end, you know, you said the two guys have opted out. They literally have one tight end on the depth chart, one, and he's the son of the offensive line coach. Uh, his name is Nate Adkins. Made a great catch uh, in the in the Clemson game, a little one handed behind the back kind of a thing. So I mean, the kid can play. But right. uh, wouldn't anticipate a whole lot of uh, twelve or thirteen personnel in this game with one guy on the depth chart. So uh, a lot of ten personnel, as you had mentioned in our uh, our little group text, and they ran a lot of empty against Clemson as well. So I would I would assume that they're going to test Notre Dame's secondary, run some empty, run some ten. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just not going to have a lot of tight ends on the field. Doesn't seem like.
2: Now I think that structurally this team is going to be a lot more wide open of an offense in this game. Cause like you said, I mean, with one really healthy tight end and I mean, Atkins has eight catches for 90 yards on the season. So it's not like he can't catch the football, right? Like he's going to be utilizing this football game a little bit, but I would think that you'd be looking a lot more 11 personnel, a lot more 10 personnel, keeping minimal tight ends on the field, if any, at times. Cause I think the one thing Vince that they do have South Carolina is, they can supplement some of that work in the passing game because they do have a couple interesting slot receivers that yes, I think can do. offer production. So it's going to look different than maybe what they would want. I mean, if you when you told me during the season that if Nordane was playing South Carolina in the bowl game, I'd be like, okay, you need to match up against Austin Stogner who's 6'6", 260 as kind of their inline tight end and the Gene Bell who's 6'3", 230, more of a move piece. And you can do a lot of things with that 12 personnel variation. But now mm-hmm. that – you are sitting there with no tight end outside of Nate Atkins. You're like, okay, you literally just can't do some things that you were doing during the season. So I would expect a lot more 11. I would expect a lot more 10. I would expect minimal tight end usage in this game, obviously.
1: Yeah, and Atkins isn't somebody that scares you going down the field. Yes, he had the nice one-handed catch, but he he strikes me as I watch him. He strikes me more of an H-back that can catch the ball. Um, but not a tight end that's going to stretch the field on you. He's not a. He's definitely not a matchup nightmare for the Notre Dame defense, in my opinion. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm not overly worried about Atkins as far as being an offensive threat. Uh, but when you're the only tight end on the depth chart, it's going to be interesting to see who plays and how they play it. Uh, as far as what they're going to do at running back, you've got the uh, the classic or on the depth chart. You've got Juju McDowell who is a 5'9", 180-pound sophomore, and then or Christian Beale-Smith. He's also 5'9", but uh, 205 pounds. He's a fifth-year uh, graduate student um, as well. So your thoughts on those two guys?
2: Well, I, I think the running back usage really comes down to the offensive line for me. And the offensive line has not been great this year. It's kind of a bigger offensive line that I think kind of lacks foot quickness. And they just haven't been a great running team, even with Marshawn Lloyd this year. I mean, Marshawn's a little over five yards a carry this year. He was a pretty good football player. But, I mean, they just have not been a consistent running team overall. But I will say this, Vince, from a skill set perspective, it's an interesting one-two punch because – Juju McDowell is more of that space kid at 5'9", 180 sure. pounds. He's got a little bit of juice to him. He can kind of work through some tight spaces and work in space a little bit, which is interesting. And then Christian Beal Smith is a kid that has played a lot of football in college football. I mean, he's been banged up a lot this year, but he was – I mean, he's a season removed from being Wake Forest number one running back in, in 2021. So he's a kid that's played a lot of football. He's much different than McDowell in the sense that he is a – you mentioned 5'9", 205, but he runs angry, and he's a more physical runner. He breaks a lot of tackles. So I think he's a pretty solid football player. For me, though, in this football game, those two running backs should not scare you as Notre Dame, but you need to take right. care of business, right? Like you can't let those guys have a ton of success because right now you're going to have an advantage from a run-stopping perspective against what, wait for, I mean, what, wait for us, what South Carolina has – offensively as a rushing attack. So a supplement with two solid, decent, talented running backs in Christian Beale Smith and Juju McDowell, but certainly Marshawn Lloyd was easily their most productive running back this year. Gotcha. I mean literally and their their second lady rusher was Jaheen Bell this year. I mean put in the comments. Right. Year, right. It's, right. Yeah. He's
1: the tight end. Yeah. I mean he's listed as a tight end. So I mean it just so anyway, i it's let's move to the offensive well Yeah, I want to talk about the offensive line real quick, and then we'll move out to wide receivers. But the offensive line, I can't put my finger on the offensive line, to be perfectly honest with you. At times, it's a beautiful pocket uh, in pass protection. They're able to do a lot of things in the pass game, sometimes with only five five blockers, because a lot of times they'll send their their running backs out on routes, and and they just leave the five in to block. And it looks good. Spencer Rattler's got a nice, clean pocket, able to really just sit back there and do what he wants. And then at other times – they just look very porous uh, to me. And so it's it's hard to put my finger on this offensive line. As far as the run game is concerned, they didn't run the ball very well against Clemson. That's for darn sure. They, they just didn't really do much on the ground. It was a very pass-heavy offensive yeah. game plan. So it was hard to get a finger on that. Um, but this offensive line is solid, but mm-hmm. there's definitely some holes that Notre Dame can take advantage of, in my opinion.
2: I, I think so. I, I mean, this is a typical South Carolina line in my opinion. I mean, even when you think back to a few years ago when they had guys like Brandon Shell who pl- has played in the NFL for a little bit. Like, they have some size to them, right? They have some size. Yeah. They have some yeah. length. They're, they're big bodies. It's just – I just don't think they're incredibly talented football players, right? Like, I don't think they move particularly well. I don't think they work in unison particularly well. It's a big line. So, like, you know, if, if a guy's playing – if Notre Dame is going to play any two-gap style where they're playing, you know, straight down a man, I think that they're going to have to bring their lunch pail a little bit because this is a powerful offensive line when they get in right body positioning. I just don't yep. think it's a particularly talented one to get right in the positioning all the time. So again, I think there's a clear advantage from a Notre Dame defensive line versus South Carolina offensive line. And we'll talk about a lot more about that later in the week. But again, you can't let a non-strength for South Carolina be a strength because they've struggled to run the football this year. And they've been mostly okay in pass protection, but we have seen Vince. I mean, Spencer Rattler is not very good when handling pressure and no. they, he's gotten some pressure on him this year, obviously from the South Carolina offensive line. So I agree that there is a lot of size up front. It's not the worst unit that we've, that Notre Dame has played against obviously, sure. but it's definitely not one that should be overly concerning for you yes. at the top of the
1: list. Anyway, I agree. And, while Notre Dame is obviously missing Isaiah Foskey, I still think this team can put some pressure on Spencer Rattler on this offensive line. And I think, I think South Carolina is going to be forced to keep some guys in the block and mm-hmm. that is obviously going to help Notre Dame moving forward, but this isn't about Notre Dame. This is about South Carolina. <laughs> yes, I keep reminding yes. myself of that <laughs> wide receiver wise. Mm-hmm. One of the things that South Carolina just loves to do is just get the ball out of Spencer Rattler's hands and yes. get it in space. So whether that is, Just some simple wide receiver screens, whether it's some now screens, whether it's some RPO action, some quick slants over the middle, which gets Spencer Rattler in some trouble. Uh, But they they don't want Spencer Rattler holding onto the ball. They want to get the ball out in space. They want to get the ball in the hands of their wide receivers. As you had mentioned previously, they do have some talent at wide receiver. I think Antoine Mm -hmm. Wells Jr. is probably the best receiver that they're going to have that is going to play. One thing I thought was interesting, just based on some of the games that I was watching, Jalen Brooks is really fast. He Number 13, he's a fifth-year kid. He's not even listed on the depth chart. They ran a reverse with him against Clemson. The kid's got some wheels. Um, and so you're going to have to look out for these wide receivers and what they're able to do. But the bottom line is they want to get the ball in the wide receiver's hands out in space.
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSC. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Go to Bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B I O P T I M I Z E R S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it all starts with Antoine Wells. I mean, coming into the year, you thought it was going to be Josh Band, but with the injuries and just kind of the nagging injuries he had. Antoine Wells was actually a transfer from James Madison and came over to South Carolina. He was a really nice player at James Madison when they were on the FCS level. Obviously, he took the jump up to the FBS this year, but he was their best player this year from a wide receiver perspective. He was really good consistently all year. He's got a little bit of twitch to him. He's got a little bit of length to him. He's not the longest guy in the world, but he's got a little bit. He just kind of is one of those players that's just kind of an all-around good football player. You know, like there's not one trait where I think – you watch Antoine Wells and say he's exceptional at, but he's just pretty good at everything. You know, like he's one of those players, and he can hurt you obviously. And he has hurt a lot of good football teams this year. I mean, he had a heck of a game against Tennessee, for instance. I think he had like 11 catches for over 170 yards. So he, when he's playing yeah. well and they're mm-hmm. in unison, I think he does some really nice stuff. Obviously, Vince, one guy that worries me a little bit is the carry on joiner as well, okay. who's a He's a little bit of a slot receiver, mm-hmm. former quarterback. I mean, last year he had to play quarterback in the bowl game, and he was like nine for nine passing in their <laughs> bowl win last year. Like He's much more of a, a, a wildcat option player when he has to play quarterback, but he's kind of a gadget player that can move around a little bit, can do some things. So you know, even though South Carolina may not have Josh Van, doesn't have both the tight ends, you mentioned Jalen Brooks as well, I do think they have a lot of talent at wide receivers still. And there's certainly a lot of players that Notre Dame is going to have to account for because there are guys that can hurt you when they get into space. Yeah.
1: Yep. Absolutely. And I, this is a wide receiving core that it's not like one guy that you have to shut down, that you have to bracket, that you have to be scared of. They've got, they've got a bunch of guys that are just pretty good and they can beat you. And if you forget about one guy, then that guy can beat you. Right. I mean, they're, and they're going to scheme up to get certain guys open. Like there, there was one play in the Clemson game where it was fourth and short. They had a full house backfield. They snuck a you know, a running back out, hit him deep. That almost was a touchdown. And then of course that's when Spencer Rattler threw the interception. Uh, but <clears throat> they will scheme to get guys open. It's not going to be a situation where they're going to force feed one guy or two guys, the football, they're going to spread the ball around because they don't have a front runner at wide receiver per se. So it is going to be difficult for Notre Dame to be successful at times because they can't just focus on one guy. You could turn the, you you could, you could flip the the script and say, well, the same thing goes for anybody that's playing Notre Dame because normally you focus on Michael Mayer and he's not going to be there. So it's the same kind of a situation. I think that they have guys that are very comparable to Notre Dame from a wide receiver standpoint, at least Mm -hmm. from a production standpoint, they're going to try to spread the ball out and make things happen that way um and no one has opted out at the wide receiver area so or the wide receiver room we had the injury obviously to the van kid uh but that's it so they want to get the ball in their wide receivers hands and I would be shocked if that was any different in this game you know moving forward
2: Fitz, can I give you a great stat I, I just love these Rand, random tidbits so last year in the bowl game to carry on Joyner, who was a former quarterback, now playing wide receiver. He was nine for nine passing in that game. Only nine passes he threw all last year, by the way, for 160 yards and a touchdown. This year, he's thrown five passes, four out of five, for 97 yards and another touchdown. So averaging over 23 yards per attempt this year, over 20 last year. So my man over the last two years as a gadget player has thrown 14 passes, he's completed 13 of them. 13 out of 14, decent percentage, right? Not too bad for 257 yards and two touchdowns. So, he uh, <laughs> interesting little gadget player there, man. Sorry, it was just really random, but I was looking at the stats wow. and it was that's unbelievable. Interesting. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, another I remember words, that, I remember that like reverse pass or something, Ex- exactly. I mean, <laughs> last year, again, in that bowl game he was nine for nine passing, but then he also ran for like 70 something yards as kind of a, more of a wildcat quarterback as well. So he's a pretty interesting player. South Carolina just doesn't feature him for whatever reason, but he's a guy to keep an eye on because he's got a little bit of that. Oh, what's he doing there? He He's throwing over your yeah. head type of type of field to him. So
1: yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, and they, when they did run wildcat, they had Marshawn Lloyd back there as their wildcat quarterback. Uh, and obviously he's listed as a running back. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they go Wildcat, because they did that an awful lot down in the red zone. So uh, a lot of wrinkles for the South Carolina offense, so it's going to be interesting to see you know, how they go about some things. More interestingly to me, Ryan, are the opt-outs mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball, because to me, the way they want to play defense, or the way that they played defense this year, mm-hmm. was very much predicated on two of the guys that are not going to be playing in this game, so are they going to continue doing that, or is it going to be a completely different look? And that is because their top two corners are going to sit this one out.
2: Did, did South Carolina play defense this year? I I've well, I it. mean, no, I'm just, they just kidding. I'm
1: just had kidding. eleven I'm just guys kidding. out there. I mean, <laughs> they had eleven
2: guys out there. That's a very way, a good way to put it. But I mean, all joking aside for a second, they weren't incredibly impressive from a run stopping percent perspective this year. They were a much better pass defense this year, but. A couple opt-outs to kind of keep a close eye on is in the secondary is kind of the biggest hits. So they have Cam Smith, who is their top corner, opted out of this football game to start pre- preparing for the NFL draft. A kid that is projected to go in the first or second round this year, so a very right. talented football player. Darius Rush, who's the corner on the other side of him, number 28, also opted out of this football game. He's heading to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl as well. He's a little bit of a longer kid, a little longer than Cam Smith, not quite as twitched up as can is, but South Carolina is going to be without their top two corners in this football game. And then Zach Pickens is for a struggling run defense that South Carolina has. Zach Pickens is easily their best player on this front seven this year. He was a defensive tackle. Number six. He's a bigger body guy, nice length for the interior. He is also opting out for, to prep for the draft as well. He's a kid that is probably going to hear his name called sometime in the first three to four rounds of the draft as well. So you have three guys, South Carolina two that are going to be pretty highly drafted and three overall that are probably going to hear their name in April preparing for the draft and obviously they're all really big losses for South Carolina defensively
1: absolutely and when you talk about the scheme that they generally like to employ they like to play a lot of man-to-man and there there were times that I saw a decent chunk of zero coverage that means no safety lined up man-to-man across the board because they want to stop the run and if I'm playing Notre Dame what is my primary goal? It's going to be to stop the run. And so, without your top two corners, are you still going to put those guys on an island? I think there's definitely a possibility of that. I I really do like the Marcellus Dial. I think he's a pretty decent corner. He's probably moved up to now being their number one corner. He's six foot, 192 pound, junior, uh, out of South Carolina. I think he's pretty decent. Uh, you know. Are you going to trust this kid? Are you going to trust O'Donnell Fortune, who's a sophomore, who's going to be starting at corner now? Are you going to trust those guys on the outside? Look, Notre Dame's wide receivers, I mean, what have they done to really scare you from a production standpoint as you're watching the film? Now, Ryan and myself and Brian and Sean and Sean, we all know that there's talent at the wide receiver position for Notre Dame, but have they really put that on film? Have they really shown that from a production standpoint? Not really. And they haven't shown that they can get them the ball when they are open. And mm-hmm. so now you've got a brand new starting quarterback and those who don't pay enough of attention are going to see Tyler Buckner. I'm like he's a run first quarterback. We need mm-hmm. to stop the run. And so I think right. there's going to be one-on-one opportunities out there for Notre Dame. They're going to put those guys on an aisle they're going to load the box. They're going to make Notre Dame throw the football until they mm-hmm. prove that they can throw the football. And so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity, Ryan. I, I What what do you think they're going to do from a secondary standpoint against this Notre Dame team?
2: Well, I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the group chat earlier. and I mean, so just kind of some context. Throughout the most of the year, there have been a heavy man team, and they'll run a lot of cover four stuff as well, and right, including some quarters. match quarters coverage as well. So a lot of man principles for this team, and – I mean, Vince, part of me says, I think that you, if I'm South Carolina's defensive coordinator, just personally, I look at, you know, the Tyler Buckner coming back, inexperienced quarterback still. And I yep. look at a bunch of young receivers and I say, I'm still going to play a lot of man and a lot of match coverage until they show that they can beat me or until Tyler Buckner shows that he is healthy and the same dynamic runner or the willingness to run. Yeah the same as he was before this most recent injury, right? So the man coverage can hurt you because you're going to, I mean, uh, it's man coverage, right? So I don't have to explain right. to people out there. It's one-on-one, right? So right. if a Tobias Merriweather or Dion Colsey end up making a couple plays vertically, for instance, right, then you have to start rethinking, hey, maybe I need to play a little more too high. And even if it's, you know, two men instead of just cover one type of thing, I need to start doing different things to stop those types of, Opportunities for Notre Dame that has some taller, more athletic receivers, right? But it, that's a that, that's a challenge that I would take if I'm South Carolina because you have to show me that you can make that play. And then the other thing that man does is against an athletic quarterback who can scramble and can do things as a as an improviser. Man coverage stinks because man coverage the principle is that you're turning your back to the Correct. quarterback, right? Exactly. So. The minute you take your back to the quarterback, that's when a quarterback has an opportunity to run the football and be a dynamic player with his legs. So, but I think that for me, even though there's challenges exist from a man perspective, being just a you know an outsider looking in, I would say I would still play a lot of man until Notre Dame shows that they can beat me, and then from there you try to mix and match some zone coverage into your man principles. You know, I think sure. about it like. What happened with Tyler Buckner last year, at Virginia Tech. I mean, he was killing them early on. And then they started mixing up coverage a little bit and threw in some zone on top of their man principle stuff. And that's really what I think confused Notre Dame a little bit in that football game specifically. So I think that you're gonna have a similar structure. You know, I think ultimately when the game's over, as long as Notre Dame can show that they can make some plays in the passing game, I think you're gonna see a heavy mix of of man and zone coverage. But I think early on in this football game. Notre Dame has to show that they can beat man coverage or else there's no reason for South Carolina to really get out of it.
1: Completely agree with you. I mean, that's, and that's going to be the biggest thing uh, you know, that's been the recipe to defeat Notre Dame for the blast. What three, four or five years is stop the run, force them to pass the ball. And if they can, then they're going to be successful. If they can't, they're not. I mean, it's really just that simple. And Notre Dame needs to prove Tyler Buckner needs to prove that he can throw the football accurately and he can press, you know, move the ball down the field and take advantage of the fact that when those corners do have their backs to the line of scrimmage, that you can take advantage Mm -hmm. of that. Right. Yep. The Notre Dame's running backs are real good out of the backfield. Get them the Mm -hmm. football. Uh, Yep. This set the South Carolina, they're going to load the box. They're going to do some things with their front seven, but I still think running the ball right at them is going to be one of their biggest weaknesses. that. Has proven to be the case most of the year. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, from a rushing standpoint, I mean they're they're, they're giving up, you know, uh, 192 yards a game. Yeah. Run right at these guys. I mean, that's I think that is what is going. And then they've got their best front seven guy. He's not even going to be participate in this game. So yep. I, I think you run right at him and you take your chances. And yes, of course, you need to stretch the field. You need to throw the football. Mm-hmm. Load the box, baby. Bring it on. Yep. And this offensive line, these running backs, this quarterback, I think can take advantage of the run game against South Carolina.
2: And I'll say this, Vince, the last thing to the man versus zone conversation for me, because I think you make a great note about you know, how Notre Dame should attack them. Because what's going to happen, I think, especially if, Notre, if South Carolina is going to play a lot of man coverage in this football game, is one thing that they are not very good at defensively outside of stopping the run is they've not really created a lot of pressure on the quarterback this year. Like they don't have a ton of sacks to their credit. So the one other good thing about man coverage is there's a lot more opportunities to create pressure, right? some pressure packages and kind of manufacture pressure a little bit more. So if you're going to see some man, I would expect maybe a lot of blitzing from the second level, some movement up front, those types of things. If Notre Dame makes them uncomfortable, gets yeah. them out of their man looks and makes them do a lot more zone. Then you're left with a lot more four man pressures from South Carolina to try to get home with four. And I don't think that's how they win. So All right. I th- I mean, we'll do a key for victory, obviously show later in the week, but I think a big key for victory just for a little bit of insight for me is to get South Carolina uncomfortable and out of man coverage, I think plays into Notre Dame's favor big time.
1: I do too. And, and Notre Dame is going to be at full strength from wide receiver standpoint. There, you know, Tobias Merriweather comes back. I, I still love the big package of Merriweather and Colsey on the field at the same time. I, <clears throat> those things excite me. And I also think that Braden Lindsay, you know, this is probably his swan song in a Notre Dame uniform. This dude has been trying to make plays all year. Throw him the ball, throw him the ball. And I, I think he can take advantage of whatever corner lines up against him in man to man. You have to be able to take advantage of that. I think Lindsay's going to be able to run by some guys. I think the big wide receivers are going to be able to take advantage. And so, you know, the South Carolina defense doesn't necessarily scare me, Mm -hmm. but it really just depends on what they want to do, Uh, you know, missing their top two corners and and that kind of a thing. So look, the, the offensive game plan for Notre Dame is going to be simple. In my opinion, you got to run the ball. You have to establish the run. You've got to stretch the field and they can do that. They're going to be successful against the South Carolina defense. So I'm excited about it. I think, this game sets up very well for Notre Dame. I think that South Carolina is going to get a great opportunity to see some of their younger guys do some things that they haven't been able to do uh, in the past with some of these guys that are sitting out and we could see a very different South Carolina team than we saw throughout the regular season. But that's what the bowl season is all about. These days is what team shows up based on defections and opt outs and transfers and all of those things.
2: It's, it's funny Vince though. The, the offense for Notre Dame I don't really know what to expect from that unit, so they got they got me kind of like with some butterflies in my stomach, man. Because I'm like, I'm Mm -hmm. very optimistic about what they're going to look like, you know, and and what they could be. But I also don't, I don't honestly know what to expect from them, right? Like I don't, you know, what's Tyler going to look like first game back? Are they going to utilize Tobias and Dion Colsey the way that we anticipate that they might in this football game? Are they going to utilize the running backs more in the passing game? Where's the supplement of the passing game production that you lost with Michael Mayer? Where's that going to come yeah. from? And I think there's a lot of incredible possibilities for Notre Dame offense, but I also don't know hundred percent what to expect. So I feel like I'm very just anxious, I guess is the best yeah. word to yeah. see what it looks like. Cause I think it's a great opportunity to kind of develop a new wrinkle to your identity, but I I have no idea what exactly it's going to look like. So it's going to be interesting, man. It it's going to be fun.
1: I mean, yeah. just from they, we don't really know what South Carolina is going to look like. There's a lot of those questions that we can use for Notre Dame. And obviously mm-hmm. we're going to get into the specifics of Notre Dame as we move through the week, but it is game prep week, baby. And we've got, we'll have wall-to-wall coverage for you guys. Again, tonight I will be with Sean Stiers at six o'clock as we continue to break down this matchup between Notre Dame and South Carolina. We've got some, some fun stuff. He just sent me the outline during the show. So I haven't really had an opportunity (laughs) to look at it, but I know we're going to have some fun tonight at six o'clock. So make sure you stay tuned for that. I believe you guys are going to be back tomorrow with a one o'clock show. Yes.
2: Yes? Yep. We'll, we'll be one o'clock the rest of the week. And I mean, Vince, again, I I implore people to please stay tuned to the message board boards. At irishbreaktime.com to the coverage we have, because it's going to be, we want to talk about just covering the bowl game i mean brian will be down there obviously in florida to take in the gator bowl firsthand but i mean then they, we have the Under Armour all-american game and the all-american bowl yeah. out in san antonio texas over the next couple of weeks so it is going to be a busy yeah. couple of weeks for Irish breakdown family so make sure to stay tuned to the coverage it's going Are to you be heading out to either one, to one of those live. games I'm gonna, be in San, I'm gonna be in San Antonio okay. for the All American Bowl. I will nice. be out there.
1: Yep. Nice. Yep. Yep.
2: With yep. well, Kenny nice Minchy, man. Let's see Kenny Minchie yeah, and eight, right. and uh seven other players live in that football game. So it's gonna be exciting. I, love
1: I always love those games when they get everybody together that's committed to the same school, you know, and they do like the the little media hits and the the whatever. Yep. It's like, okay, Notre Dame's well represented here. Let's yep. go. Yes. Let's have some fun with this thing. V-
2: they 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 have they only, they have three guys down for the Under Armour game in Florida, okay. which isn't like the highest total, but they have eight in the San Antonio in what game in San Antonio? So wow. Notre Dame is going to be very well represented from a recruiting perspective.
1: From still, eleven games. guys that are playing yes. in one of these All Star games. Uh, so. Eleven
2: out of twenty four are in the two major All Star games. For context, yes, absolutely. <laughs>
4: MyPatriotSupply.com